fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And tonight we are drinking and talking about villains. Villains. Yeah. So the, the kind baddies. of the, the baddies. So the <laughs> sequel. The sequel to the episode that we did a couple weeks ago of Heroes. Yeah. But yeah, before we dive into that, let's uh, let's talk about what's on our flight. So Dalton, what are you drinking? Yeah. Tonight I'm drinking Fields Rye from the Journeyman Distillery, uh, which I actually visited last weekend. I went up there, and they're in uh, like the southern part of Michigan. Um, and this is a really full, well, first of all, there's kind of a, they're kind of a funky distillery in general. Um, so they, we did a tasting and they let us taste 11 spirits, um, for $13 and that's like their tour and tasting. And it was something like five whiskeys and, um, and there was like a vodka, there was like two gins, like they, and like a white rum. So they just still like a whole bunch of stuff, not just whiskey. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, like. You said um, for thirteen dollars? Yeah, for thirteen dollars. They actually said that they. How okay, do they make money? <laughs> I know, right? They specifically said that they don't do it like in the afternoon or evening because people will like take it just for the drinks. Oh yeah, like, it's I, cheaper I would than, absolutely would. Yeah, it's cheaper than just like buying the drinks. But yeah, they're like, like I said, they're a little funky. They, they're doing some, I guess, unconventional things, um, like the Japanese. Yeah, I mean, I like the Japanese, except for they're not like as uh, I guess keyed into like consistency and quality and improvement as like the Japanese were. Yeah, so all. that was a reference to our last episode where we talked about <laughs> how the Japanese are doing crazy things with whiskey. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that, how dare you? Also, <laughs> go listen to it it's so that episode. you actually know what Dalton's talking one about. One of my favorites. These. One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one they uh, they said they distilled because they were asked to distill, distill three spirits for the 125th anniversary of the Fields um, Museum in Chicago, which is why it's Fields Rye. That's why they named it that. Um, but they included fig with the mash. And so the mash is 60% rye and 40% wheat. And then they like threw some figs in there. And so it comes across as like, first of all, it's extremely sweet because it's 60% rye and that 40% wheat and wheat comes across sweet anyway. But then the fig comes through and it's like, it almost tastes like a mixed drink as like I'm drinking it, which is like super odd. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, like it reminds me of a Manhattan that just isn't like a mixed drink. Like it is a, it is you know, a spirit, it's straight liquor, um, but it comes across as like very sweet. It's not like unpleasantly sweet. It's not like cloyingly sweet, um, but it just is sweet for a whiskey. Um, and then like the spiciness from the rye kind of like carries all the way through. Like you get it a lot up front and, and then you get like sweetness coming through and then you're like, you're kind of like left with the rye afterwards. Um, so we left with this bottle because both uh, my girlfriend and I, we both really liked it, but I would say it's probably not like critically acclaimed or something like that, you know, because like they're making all these different like spirits they're not just making whiskey um they're using the same barrels for everything they're using the same distillation process for everything so really all they're changing is like their mash and so like there's not a ton of i guess granularity and flavor in their whiskeys but like this one just it tasted really good and the fig was like kind of interesting so yeah that's that is interesting so i am also drinking a unique beer Mm -hmm. yeah we'll call it beer but it also (laughs) has wheat and it is also very sweet so i'm drinking uh, a beer that my brother got me for Christmas. It's called the Pink Drink. So he picked up a, uh, or he got me a <laughs> six pack from from his local breweries down in North Carolina, and uh, he he said that he just had to get this one. So it's the Pink Drink, which is a it's a it's a wheat ale, and it's uh, brewed with lemongrass and raspberries. <laughs> and so, like kind of like what you were saying, the wheat provides the sweet taste. So right. wheat ales are already a little bit on the sweeter side. And then you throw raspberries in there. <laughs> it's it's this one this one's tart. It's actually yeah. not bad. Like okay. I, I I didn't like the first 
couple sips I had of it, but once I kind of <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I tend to, you know, fall on like the, the other side of the ale spectrum, the IPA, where, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more bitter, where th- this ale is very, very sweet. It's like, it is actually almost pink, like, if yeah. you look at it. Yeah, as I'm looking, it's like got a pinkish like tint, but it's still like... It looks like that. grapefruit juice almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but like amber color still that you would expect from like a wheat ale. Yeah, but it's... It's really interesting. Like it, it's it's tart, mm-hmm. but then it, it it it's kind of sweet as it goes down. Um, so I am actually really enjoying cool. it. I was going to, I, I brewed some beer, and it turned out horribly. <laughs> so <laughs> I was gonna try and grab that. Was this your first attempt? No, no, no. no. It, That's what I thought. I thought you tried like at least once before. Yeah, and this one is worse. Okay, Th- this one is way worse. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the other one we would call like barely drinkable. <laughs> Yes, it, it <laughs> worked. Worse. Yeah. It, it worked. Okay, but I don't even know what I did. Well, I'm sure I did multiple things wrong. <laughs> I, I just don't know what those were. But, but yeah. So I, I figured I'd drink. I, I have drunk a couple of my brother's Christmas gifts on the podcast before. This is the last one that I had. Yeah. I actually like the reason that I still have this is that my wife found it as she was cleaning out the cupboard earlier <laughs> this week. <So laughs> you you'd conveniently forgotten. Well, I put it up there because I was like, I want to drink this on an episode. Right. And here we are. Yes. Six <laughs> months later. <laughs> so, but but yeah, so it, it's definitely different than what I'm used to and pleasantly surprised. It, it's very refreshing. It feels very much like a summer beer. Yeah. Right? It, it's it's kind of got that shanty kind of feel where it's the yeah. sweet yeah. with the beer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sort of like a pink lemonade shandy. It's interesting. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I'd... Verdict's still out? Buy it. <laughs> but maybe I definitely wouldn't like... Buy it when anyone could like see me buy it, <laughs> <laughs> or you would do that like like just slightly point to the menu like I want this one and just hope the bartender doesn't say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a dimly lit bar, nobody will know it's pink. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody will know your shame. But yes, that was I, I don't remember if I said the brewery, but that's Pink Drink by High Wire Brewing. So very cool. Check them out when I go visit my brother. In North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so last week we didn't really get to dive in. Like last week we recorded our episode. We were in the middle of like this epic gaming weekend, but mm-hmm. we didn't really get to dive into any like games that we had been playing, like deep dive or anything that we've been reading because, you know, we kind of wanted to get in and like taste eight talk, whiskeys. Yeah. <laughs> taste eight whiskeys. So, <laughs> so let, let's kind of talk about what's been going on in the fantasy realms of, yeah, of our, our lives. So, any, what's, what's been going on with you, Dalton? So I've, I just finished a book called Consider Phlebas. Um, and that, like, the name comes from, like, a poetry reference um, that he makes, like, right at the beginning of the book. Or maybe it's, like, a biblical passage or something that I didn't catch on. But something like that, like a reading that, that happens right at the start of the book um, before it gets into the content. Um, and that's by um, Ian M. Banks. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Was, it was a sci- it's a sci-fi book it's uh revolving around this concept of what he calls the culture and so it's called the culture series um sort of an expl- exploration of what humanity might be like at like ten thousand years or something like that um and what what a space-faring society might look like that sort of spans over the whole of the milky way i mean it follows uh, just one protagonist um who has the ability to uh, change his physical appearance um so he can he still has to remain like humanoid but he can look like other humans um and he has like some other like biological like augmentations um, that kind of help him. Um, so he's kind of like the protagonist. And we follow him around, and he sort of just like ends up in different situations that allow the author to, like I said, just kind of explore like what human society might be like. So it's just like a book that 
is continual world building. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, does it have a plot, or is it? It does. Yeah, it has like one. There's like one mission that the guy is on. Got it. Like trying to like complete this mission, and it's like, but you can tell that like the author's kind of intentionally moving him from like scene to scene. Um, into like different like parts of the culture and into like different you know there's like a bar scene and a gambling scene and a, a you know a space race scene and like all these like kind of themes that he goes through so that the author can kind of like I don't know explore that. It sounds like a must read if you're ever going to DM a Starfinder campaign. Yeah, actually that's a really <laughs> good point. Yeah, because there's other there's some other like cool like alien species and that sort of thing going on. It it definitely like fits that really well. Um, so I really enjoy. It. I think I liked it for the reasons that I wanted to like Hyperion, but I couldn't like identify with a protagonist very well but like this book did offer that so i really enjoyed it for that for that reason hyperion did they change protagonist yeah hyperion was the one where there was like six or seven characters who are all like on a journey together and it's like about the backstory of how they got to that journey and so that's like seven short stories as it goes through the perspective of each of these seven characters um i don't think i made it very far in that one okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> only the third or fourth characters yeah <laughs> yeah I, I don't know why. Maybe yeah. It just didn't grab my attention, maybe. Yeah, and I think we're both just, like, we're both very linked to the hero story and, like, want to build a relationship with characters and, and, and dive into the narrative and that sort of thing. And, like, Hyperion didn't really do that, um, but this book, Consider Phlebas, did. Um, so it's also a series. Uh, the book kind of wrapped up within the first book, but I know that there are other ones out there that sort of pick up uh, where this one left off, but you don't have to read them. It is, like, a complete story in itself. Um, did, so you grab, consider... did you grab the next one? No, actually, I grabbed um, a recommendation from my sister um, called children of time. Um, and it's also the first of a series and it's by Adrian Tchaikovsky. That's my guess. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tchaikovsky. Why not? And this one actually, I really like the concept of I'm only a couple, like um, I'm like three hours into it, you know, cause we do everything by time, not page numbers. Cause we <laughs> not books. three hours in. And the concept here is that the uh, humanity has sort of progressed to the point where they want to, um, they had this idea where they're going to like terraform a planet and then they drop monkeys on them. Um, and then they drop a virus that will that will evolve the monkeys quicker, basically. So it's like actively going through and altering their their genes and creating they're trying to create like a, basically a perfect society weird through like this virus that's manipulating their genes or whatever. And right as like they have terraformed the planet, they're about to like put the monkeys on it. Something goes wrong and this war breaks out and basically hum- human society is like wiped out and the monkeys don't make it onto the planet, but the virus does. Oh, okay. And so then it's kind of like there's a section of humanity that survives. And this all this isn't a spoiler. Again, this is all happening within like the, the intro. Um, there's a section of humanity that survives, um, but Earth is no longer usable. So they go to that planet and they find kind of what's like been growing over the last like 2000 years that it took them to get to the point where they could space travel again after this like nuclear apocalypse and then actually make the journey kind of thing. And they're like running in with what's happened on the planet due to this virus in the meantime so i'm re- so far it's a really cool concept and i like how the author is kind of showing you in parts what's happening to the humans and what's happening on the planet uh, by kind of like speaking through like the creatures that are on that planet kind of speaking through their perspective and showing how they're evolving so so far it's really interesting is that one a series as well it is yeah i don't know okay. how many i think it's like three or four or something okay but. cool yeah i well i started picking up lightbringer series again so nice. <laughs> once i finish that i'm in book three of five so. okay but yeah, so I, I'm like kind of just starting. I'm about three hours into the, <laughs> yeah. the Lightbringer <laughs> or to the the, uh, the third book, which oh, I could not. Broken Eye? Yeah. I think it's Broken Eye. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm doing that. But I also, I before I started that back up, I did read the the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the, the Susan oh, Collins yeah, yeah, book, yeah. The, the prequel to the Hunger Games series. And it was bad it, it just really? oh yeah no it was That's like the idea was so good and just like i 
Yeah. So like, basically, yeah. <laughs> you so, look so frustrated right now. I, I am because I wanted <laughs> I wanted it to be good. I yeah. really did. But the so the the protagonist is Cornelius Snow. So the the president the during president. the Hunger Games of, you know, Katniss's era. Right. Okay. So he's a bad dude, right? Yeah. But so it, it the one, is he like already bad in the no? Book? And so so okay. so that's kind of interesting. Is that. And, and we'll get we'll talk about this a little bit in the villains of like kind of the villain arc, right? Yeah. But you do kind of get to see him become bad, okay. and like he, it's not that he's like evil necessarily. It's just that right. he's very self progressing. He he does everything okay. for himself. Yeah. He puts himself in front of others. Gotcha. Which, not always a horrible trait. Just depending on how far you want to go, can get pretty bad. Yeah. But I. <sighs> So it, it takes place of like the 10th Hunger Games and okay. um, it's the first Hunger Games where they have where all the tributes have mentors. And okay. instead of having a previous victor as your mentor, you have these people who are in the elite school in the capital. They get assigned uh, one of the district uh, sacrifices okay. and they get to mentor them throughout the Hunger Games to improve their reputation Okay. Et cetera, et gotcha. Cetera. And so is he a mentor? He is. Okay. So he he's one of he's actually like living this life where on the his facade is that he's still, you know, very powerful. He's right. still from a powerful family, but he's like straight broke. And so gotcha. the, the winner gets like the scholarship to go to university. So he's like, I need you know, I I he he needs this, right? Gotcha. But like it's just like it's so overly troped. I don't, I don't even know if that's a oh, word. That's frustrating. But like so they bring in all of the tributes to the capital and like they put them in the zoo. And they, like, have the vet look after them instead of, like... Hmm. And it's just, like, okay. And then there's, like, some weird, like, Stockholm Syndrome going on. And it's just, okay. like, that's okay in the book. But it's, like, that's not okay. Yeah. And just, like, I don't know. It was... Towards the end of the book, the characters started making decisions that, like, didn't make sense that the character would be making. Okay. But it, it felt like all the action happened, like, the last, like, hour of the book. Mm. And... It felt like the decisions that led to that action were there because like she had a page count almost gotcha. like yeah. so it was like why why would he do that like what right. what is going on like what what made what would force him to do that and it's just yeah. like because we need the plot to move along yeah exactly yeah. and it was just it was just it was frustrating there's another love triangle in it which I know you wouldn't like and so yeah that's frustrating the the good things about it would be the world building. Yeah. Right. So like the if you remove I think it's what you would expect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you remove the story, like you get to learn about a lot of the things like the the hanging tree, the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you get to learn the origins of that song. Gotcha. And then you get to like kind of see how the Hunger Games were played out when in the early stages. Like they mm-hmm. held it in like an arena. So like um like a like a boarded off arena. So like people were like running around concession stands and like wow. So it's it's like it's completely like non technology like focused. Gotcha. You know, it's yeah, yeah. You know, it's ten years from now. So right, it's the technology okay. that you would expect them to have. And it is kind of interesting from like the, the lens of like a business, how like, you know, basically mm. they put the best and brightest students on, you know, one of the main problems is that nobody is watching the Hunger Games. Like after nine years, they've kind of like dwindled and they're not serving the purpose that the capital wanted them to, which is like, you know, remind everyone, hey, we're better than you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like they put the best and brightest students on it and like, hey, fix this. Like, how do we... And so that that was kind of interesting. You kind of see how, you know, like all the all the like start points of like where where it would become in what sixty four years, right? Um, so so that was kind of interesting. But it was just like, yeah, I really like the world building, just not the characters. Gotcha. Um, yeah. 
So, would have been cool to read a synopsis of it or yeah. <laughs> instead of the actual yeah. book. Yeah. And like it, it's kind of interesting because like I, I looked at the ratings when I finished the book, which was probably a couple of days after it came out. Okay. And they were like, oh, like really good ratings. I was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like I looked at them again this afternoon and they've, they've more, more, I think a lot of people like rated the hype sure. of, of the sure. book and like <laughs> there, there's, it, it's kind of dropped down. Okay. So it's not that long. So like okay, I I I'm not recommending it. Uh, sure, okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend you listen to it or read it, um, unless you're kind of interested in that world building aspect. Just right. and if you have listened to it and you think it's a good book, like let me know because I'm not an expert in this and I may be completely <laughs> off. But you know, but whatever. So yeah, but we have very similar tastes. So yeah, kind of I, I would not. Difficult. I wouldn't recommend it to you. Definitely yeah, not. Okay. Yeah, good you, to know. You would not like that book. Yeah, there's plenty of books out there. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we we've got a lot of audiobooks to go through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not looking for books to fill my time. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. So let's jump into the icebreakers. So kind of what we what we have been doing is we've been posting the icebreakers that have been asked in previous episodes on like our social media, and we let people respond. So let's highlight some of some of the uh, responses that we got, some of our yep. favorite responses that we got. Mm-hmm. So last episode, the whiskey episode, we did two icebreakers. We did a book and a board game. Let's start with the board game one, which which is from Amram and who has a new Instagram handle. So we can actually plug that now. So okay. Amram.Marks16, his new Instagram. So okay. he created it about three hours after I created the Instagram story. So I didn't even tag him in that. So, <laughs> so my bad. But so his question was, what is the best co-op game to play with new players? Some of the some of the answers that we received, Traveling Meeple said Flashpoint Fire Rescue. I don't know if you've played that. No. It's a cooperative game where you're firefighters. Okay. Uh, is that, so, the, is that uh, Czech Games? Is it that one? I don't know. I, I don't know who, who, who no, makes it. Probably not. I'm thinking there's one on your shelf. Maybe it's Space Point or something. It was by oh, Games. That's what I'm thinking yeah. Of. No, I don't, I don't have it. I don't oh, have okay. It, no. Okay. Um, but it looks really cool. There's a lot of things that people 3D print for that game. Cool. Uh, the Hoppy Meeple, which like nice, we can be friends. Yeah, <laughs> uh, said Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island. Yeah, uh, yeah. which which is like a lighter version of Pandemic. Yeah, I think. And then the Fashion Meeple and Seth.m.kiefer said Pandemic. So cool. Yeah, th- those are all great games. Any surprises there? I, no, I don't th- think so. I think I'll, several of those, at least like you know, Pandemic and, and the Mind and, and things like that, had come to my, my to my mind as well when I was trying to answer the question. So yeah, yeah not, not, nothing like super surprising. Yeah. So the second icebreaker question that we we had last last episode was, what is the best book to movie adaptation? There was a lot more to that question, but that's yes, that's pretty much all I could get on like the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that succinctly like condensed it. So that that was given to us by at uh, Abram dot Marks and Seth, who is a different person than yes <laughs> at Amram dot Marks. <laughs> yeah, they, they I think they're related. I, <laughs> <laughs> they might be. <laughs> but okay, so I will admit, I think I screwed. I think I screwed this one up. Uh, mm. The way that I posted the story because mm. I posted our answers, and I think the way that people are reading it is that they read it. It's like which one of these three is yeah. the best book to movie adaptation? Which we said Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and then uh, Game of Thrones as the TV adaptation. Yeah. So maybe My some bad. skewed data. My bad. So, <laughs> so it's okay. We're not uh, we're not statisticians, right? We don't know how to conduct a yeah. legitimate survey. We'll get better. We'll get better. <laughs> but Seth.m.kiefer said Back to the Future, and who knew that was a book? I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, and then D twenty Woodworking, Noble Redhead. Nat talk. They all said Lord of the Rings. Okay, <laughs> which yeah. I think kind of was because you know because I, we had skewed the data yeah. a little bit. Do we have any new icebreakers for this week? Then? Yeah, yeah, we do. So we got 
we got an email icebreaker for us for uh, for we're gonna do a book icebreaker this week because awesome. you know we're talking about books. Yep. This one's from Stephanie, and so she sent it to us in our uh, in our Gmail. So if you want to send us icebreaker questions, send us icebreaker questions because we love answering them. But she. So I just looked at this and this is like perfect. So I'm just kind of doing them in, you know, order that we receive them. I'm going to actually have my wife. uh, She volunteered to take a look at them so we don't have another mishap like we did with Amram. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We answered on the wrong week. Yeah. So I think going forward, my wife is going to take a like filter these and kind of give us ones that are going to be good. But good for the theme kind of thing. We didn't even need that because Steph asked, who do you think is the most relatable villain? Wow. (laughs) So that's good. Man. Thank you, Steph. It's a great question. Um, <laughs> which is like, yeah, that's, that's a great question, especially for this. I mean, it's a great question. It's a great yeah. question for this topic. And it's definitely something that I think we're going to dive into yeah. because one of the most interesting things about villains are the villains that you relate to. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Where you kind of see their side of the story. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a yeah, good So one. who is like succeeded at making the most relatable? And it's a good question because like not all, I mean, I think we kind of hinted on this probably in the, in the face, some of the face off Fridays that not all villains are relatable right and oh that's absolutely not, a, like, not. Like, yeah. sauron is not i mean he's just like this. well eh, you know <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean i've always wanted to like live in a tower by myself and send orc armies after everybody yeah exactly First, like goals but <laughs> <laughs> squad goals yeah squad goals <laughs> so the uh the one that i that, that i have in mind doesn't necessarily come from like a science fiction or a fantasy book but it is uh uh, Tony from The Sopranos, the TV show. Yes. Where yes. Tony is the protagonist in the uh, the TV show. And like you have to continually remind yourself. And there's definitely scenes in that TV show that re- help you remember that he is a bad person, right? <laughs> yeah. And so so I think that, that I mean, but like he just plays that so well. I need to look up that actor name. I think he just yeah. recently passed away, actually. Oh, yeah. Sad day. But he, I know it's a, some Italian name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. But he played it so well because you just like, related to him right you just like right. grabbed on and it's like hey right. like i support that guy and then you're like no i don't no Actually, i don't i can't yeah, do he's, that it's kind of a bad dude yeah but i he just oh man that i i really enjoyed the the watching of the sopranos just for the mm. kind of the experience of watching it through the vil, quote-unquote villain's eyes right yeah and him being a relatable likable person right uh what about you what yeah. what, what did you come up with so I, I forget already did the question limit us only to books or can I only be? I asked because it, if it does, I'm going to honor that, and it'll but it'll change my answer. No, it didn't. Okay. No. Yeah, it just said the most relatable villain. Most relatable villain. So, I I would throw out, and I'm going back and forth between between two, but one is is more of a more of an anti villain, um, and so I'm going to stay away from that and go with uh, Agent Smith from The Matrix. Okay. Um, I've not seen The Matrix. You've never seen The Matrix. I've never seen The Matrix. Wow. <laughs> That's why never have I ever whenever we're playing Kings. Oh, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen The Matrix. Man, we got to watch that. Yeah, I know. I, I really Holy do. Okay. Cow. Sorry for interrupting. No, but... you're fine. I don't think it's a book. I think it's, I think they just. I'm sure it's a book. <laughs> At this point, it might be. Anyway, Agent Smith. Now, see, damn it. Now I can't spoil it for you. Because <laughs> it was one that I was like, oh, I'm sure everybody's seen The Matrix. I can just, <laughs> I can spoil it if I need to. Um, but no, you actually have not seen it. So anyway, like. I think the important thing to know is that Agent Smith, he is the villain. Like he's he's also like the face of the like sort of the group that is villainy in the in the story. And so it's like it's this like larger organization, but he's kind of the face of it. And so he's like the one that you like know and fear. But he is also he does a really good job of like they use monologues to tell the story very well and he like has several like excellent monologues. And first of all, he just like it's um you know it's the guy who 
played I don't know his name, but it's the guy who plays Elrond. Oh, okay, yeah. Like that's Agent Smith. Okay, yeah. Um, and so he just has like this great like like baritone voice, and he's like yeah. it's kind of like creepy. Some of like the ways that he like enunciates and everything, but his motives are like entirely understandable. And so like as you're sitting there like like watching um in the movie, you're like, man, this is so weird because like I can see why he's doing this, you know, like or at least I like understand what his motives are, and like I don't agree with like his methods and like what he's doing, but like I know why he's doing it. Yeah, you know? and that makes him like it makes him just extremely relatable because you're like if I know that like in his shoes, like there's some dark part of me that like could have made that same decision you know and that's like what makes him creepy and a really good villain okay yeah yeah i i do need to watch those movies i don't well, you need to watch the first one you can make a decision <laughs> you watch the second or third ones but yeah i it everything that people say about it i know i'll like them so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe by the time this no definitely not my, has any life spoiled for you like do you know i know there's a red and a blue pill and that's all you know and they do like cool like oh yeah they dodge bullets, bullets. okay cool I'm gonna, we're going to watch it tonight. <laughs> we're going to watch The Matrix. Stay up till like 2 in the morning. Yeah. Who needs work? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who needs to be awake for work? <laughs> oh, yeah. That is true. Great question. I really yeah, no, I that love was, that, that question. That, yeah, that one was great. Good yeah. job. Good job, Steph. Yeah. Uh, ooh, yeah. So before we before we dive into our face-off Friday which, from last sure. week, I, I do want to kind of throw in the, the reminder that um, we, we may spoil some stuff, and I want to... Do this before the Face Off Friday because I, I don't know where the conversation for the Face Off Friday is going to take us. And okay, I, yeah. But like, so we'll play this sound. And if if you hear that, then you'll hear me kind of come in and probably like make a fool of myself saying something like, "Oh no, we just spoiled something." And then we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna cut that audio and we're gonna put it at the end of the podcast. We're gonna add some buffer time and we're gonna reemphasize that we're about to spoil something <laughs> at the at the end of the podcast. Yep. So if you have seen you know, one of the books or movies that we're talking about, then you're okay with listening to the spoilers. We'll put the timestamp in there. And so you can jump to that point at that time. Yeah. So, and all that will be spelled out in the show notes. If you specifically want to like, go look for what times you want to jump to and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So again, this sound. So once you hear that sound, uh, that, that means that the spoiler is coming. So the face-off Friday. So typically we do one face-off Friday, uh, but we we were talking about what we wanted to do, and we wanted to compare two villains for yeah. our face-off Friday, but we could not settle on any, so we ended up doing like four. Yep, we got greedy. <laughs> so, so but I had good response from it. I mean, like we yeah. didn't like lose participation over the course. No, of the absolutely really not. I, I posted them kind of all throughout the day just to try and if people were on at different times, I wanted to them to have a chance to vote. But I w- let's let's run through these. I don't know yeah. your answers because we we didn't talk about these. Right. And I want to hear, and then I'll I'll throw out the the percentages of you know we put up two, and then you vote on one of them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the first one is the Star Wars, the villain. So, mm. uh, Vader, Darth Vader versus Emperor Palpatine, or Darth Sidious, or right. uh, Palps, as Vader. I like to call him. Vader, absolutely Vader. Vader. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. I. So I I, I think my my answer changed after I watched the Clone Wars. Just because you kind oh, of see okay. how Palps manipulated everything. You call him Palps? Are yeah. You, a, you got a friendly nickname basis <laughs> yeah. for him? <laughs> yeah. Palps Sid. <laughs> yeah. Sid. Sid the kid Palps. <laughs> Sid the kid. <laughs> no. Sid is angry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I saw it. I think it was like Reddit or something. They oh, call okay. him Palps or something. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But so just like the, the, the way that he is able to manipulate everything that's going on, setting up, you know, Order 66 and just like it, it, it makes it so impressive you know he's elevated himself to you know supreme chancellor Mm -hmm. of the senate he controls the galaxy and like Mm -hmm. 
He's playing both sides. It's just he, it, he's just very intelligent. Yeah. Also, one of my coworkers, I asked him uh, this question last Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's really big into Star Wars? Uh, so I I told I told Jim that I was gonna I was gonna steal this from him, but he okay. said that he actually said that Vader is not a villain because Hot take <laughs> yeah and so Hot takes from jim yeah so i want to i want to hear this i want to hear your thoughts on this he said vader's not a villain because he has no motive he is he's palpatine's puppet um hmm. so vader himself does not have he's not going out to do anything he's just following palpatine's commands and and that makes him so i don't think inherently not having a motive makes someone not a villain because i think you can have you can have the shark from jaws be a villain and the shark doesn't have a motive necessarily he's just like a monster yeah and it's just like something scary and that can be classified i guess in my mind as a villain and it's it's just really interesting to me that jim thinks of it that way because like when you ask that question i think vader for me would probably top out the list like i think he would win almost any matchup oh really okay yeah i think he's like he's such a good character yeah and i think for me it comes down to like first of all it's just he's iconic right like he's, he's recognizable he pulls off a black cape (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah like how villainous is that no kips no kips <laughs> but vader can do it never even gets like stuck in a door or anything um impressive i know i know but like if you think about it like from just the perspective of the original series like and if you watch if you watch like star wars from the beginning chronologically of like when it came out then it's like he's he's so scary right he has this, he's like, terrifying he's terrifying he has this like presence he's huge right he's like six seven or whatever and he has like all these powers that like we don't yet understand and everything but i think like he he becomes relatable over the course of the story. You see like those like little snippets where he's like putting his suit on and you realize that like, he's damaged, right? And you're like, oh my, like yeah. what's, what's going on? And it like draws you into his character with very few lines. Like he says almost nothing, even though they got like James Earl Jones to play like Vader, right? And he had this amazing voice actor to do it. Like he's, he doesn't need that much wording to become this like incredible presence. I think he was such an amazing villain that he got three prequel movies just to explain who he was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if you strip out like the Vader story from the prequels, like, first of all, they're already bad, but then after that, there's nothing. <laughs> Wait, right? what? <laughs> How dare you? I, I don't Sir. take it back. <laughs> but like, those are like, they're dedicated just to telling you who Anakin Skywalker is. Cause yeah. he's like such an interesting character. Yeah. I, 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 I will say that I think Anakin Vader is probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. characters of all time. Yeah. Just like the, the arc from, he goes from like this little kid that grew up on Tatooine as a slave uh-huh. to like the protagonist first the, of all the protagonist and all the way to like the most like feared person in the galaxy right yeah. like it, it's just like and just like the shift and like oh man uh, yeah. I can't I can't I'm gonna try and plug it probably every single episode watch the Clone Wars it's so good <laughs> it's so good but so everyone pretty much or a lot of people agreed with you on on Vader so yeah. it was a 67 to 33 split yeah. Uh, for enough. Vader, for Palpatines. So the next one was kind of a split genre. So we went with uh, Sauron from Lord of the Rings or Lord Voldemort mm. from Harry Potter. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I, it, see, that one's really hard because Voldemort's like a more fleshed out character. Like Sauron's more of a threat than like an actual villain sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think I would probably lean towards Voldemort personally. I, yeah, I agree. I, I like Voldemort as well. I like Voldemort because kind of like one of his main weaknesses is that he's so prideful and, yeah and like pride's you know, a great weakness in a yeah, villain it really is so yeah i'm with you on that one too so instagram was kind of against us on this one so they said it was a 54 to 46 split okay for yeah. sauron so yeah pretty much down the middle though there's only like a couple votes off there to get it yeah even. exactly yeah 
Interesting. Which, yeah, I, w- I was pretty happy because I think we picked some good matchups because there I was a so. lot of debate yeah. on, on both of them. Yeah, and uh, on that one for me, I'm like, that that is, I was one I had to pause and think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So the next one was from Game of Thrones. Mm. So we did Joffrey versus Ramsey. Yeah. That, I like that question so much because you're like, I hate both of them. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But like the question is, which one's like the better villain? Yeah, which right. one is the better villain? So Joffrey is, you know, the boy king, and then yeah. Ramsay Snow is uh, Roose Bolton's bastard, right. who is the one who tortured Theon Greyjoy, um, right. kind right. of towards towards the end of the the book series. Mm-hmm. This one is hard. Yeah, I. Yeah, I I don't like either of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you don't like either of them as a villain? No, I think they're both. Great villains. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Ramsey on this one, just because Joffrey is annoying as hell. Yeah. And like that as a villain trait isn't super intriguing to me, but it's like right. he does it so well, and like the actor that portrayed him in the TV show does did it so well yeah, that people him. hate him. Yeah, like, I know. People Poor hate kid. the actor. He's just a kid. <laughs> yeah, and he did. He just did so well. Yeah. Um, with with that job, but I would I would have to go Ramsey. Yeah. Um, just because like Ramsey is just so messed up in the head, right? right. Like. He, he he's just crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Ramsey's my answer. What about you? Yeah, I would go Ramsey as well because like both of them have like cruelty and like wickedness, right? But Ramsey also has like intelligence, and he's so almost like more of a legitimate threat, right? Because right. Ramsey came from nothing, and Joffrey was like given everything and messed it up, right? Yep. And so, but like it's like which would you rather like which would you rather have as your opponent? It's like well Joffrey because like he's <laughs> yeah he's, Joff- just, he's a little bitch. Like, know, I, yeah, exactly. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. But like Ramsey, it's like oh man, like that's that's a scary opponent, right? He's like you sort of like you don't like him, but like you also kind of have to respect him. You have to treat him like a you know like a wild animal kind of thing. So I think he makes a better villain for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. Instagram agreed with us on that. So the the split was thirty six percent of people voted for Joffrey and sixty four percent of the people voted for Ramsey. Good, good, smart people. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Like I, they're all so close, which yeah, is really good, close. which is really fun. So last one that we we did was from the comic book universe, and we did like a DC versus Marvel thing. So okay. we had Thanos on the on the Marvel side, and then the Joker on the DC side. I think of all of them, I think that's the hardest question. For yeah. Because uh, I love both of those they're, characters. Yep. They're so well written. Yeah. They're so, and they're like, they're complicated. They have these like incredible backstories. They have like all these motivations going on. I, I, w- I also like preface my answer with like, I don't read comic books. I don't think you do either. Right. I, I read more than you. Okay. Which is not a lot. Yeah. But I, I, I have read some comics. Okay. Okay. Like, I don't know the Joker or um, Thanos, like, from comics at all. I, j- I only know them from the movies that have been produced. I would I would say Thanos. Um, and, again, I think that's because he's probably more of a relatable character. And he, like, they have this he has this whole, like, thing where, like, his greatest strength is, like, his wisdom, right? And it's, it's like, he's kind of messed up in, like, where he ends up in his conclusions, but he is, like, incredibly wise and intelligent. You, like, have to respect that in him. You have to respect it in the Joker, too. Like, he is also, like, a very intelligent character. Um, and that's what makes them both, like, so fun as villains is they have this, like, in, in a lot of cases, they're actually, like, more interesting, I think, for those two. In, like, some of the storylines, they were more interesting characters than the heroes that they were being, like, portrayed against, which I think is so cool to follow along with. Yeah, I think the comic books do a really good job or, like, the Marvel DC do a really good job of fleshing out the villains mm-hmm. and making sure that they are interesting villains. I, I'm the dissenting opinion from yours. I'm, I'm the Joker. And I think that is because I do really like both of them as villains, but I really like the Joker because he's so scary because it's, like, doesn't have any powers, and it's, like, that could happen. That's true. That could happen. Oh, like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, Did you watch Joker? I haven't watched the new one, no. Okay. How is it? 
oh, it's it's really good, but like, re- I mean, it's dark. Like, yeah. it's the dark depression side of the Joker, right? It's the mental illness part of yeah. the Joker, not like the insanity mental illness, the way that it was done in the movie that we don't really talk about very much. <laughs> what movie? <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I mean, that's what you see um, is yeah. that he is just a guy who kind of like descends and. But his power comes from, in the movie, it kind of comes from, like, other people kind of, like, agreeing with his message, you know, and kind of being like, yeah, like, I feel that way. And he's, he's not even, like, strictly manipulating so much as he's just kind of, like, becoming this, like, icon that people are, like, taking their anger and their frustration with society and, like, placing it on him and following him because he has that same feeling as them, you know? And yeah. that's where his power comes from, which is so cool. So I that... I, I really enjoyed doing the face off Friday um, because yeah. like what you just said is pretty much the, almost word for word. What I had written down as one of my first points awesome. for the villain discussion. Yeah. And that is that good villains, I think are inspiring. Villains are powerful because they inspire people in the story. Right. Okay. Like a lot of villains, either through threats, they have a following. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do. And kind of what I had written down is that good villains have like characters in the stories that simply, that sympathize with them or like mm. see their way of view. Mm. Great villains have the reader sympathize with them. Yeah. <laughs> because That's very true. there, there are some villains out there that, you know, I kind of want to talk about that. Like exactly what Steph's question was is like, right. You can sympathize with some of these villains and you kind of see their side of the story. Yeah. But yeah. So characters in the story are inspired or follow these villains because the villain doesn't ever really think that they're in the wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. The villain always thinks that they are correct. Like, I think, you know, we were talking about Star Wars. Anakin says, you know, in my eyes, the Jedi are evil. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it's all a matter of perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. What what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I think. No, I think that's a really great point, because I think like we have to we have to be able to relate to the villain, like a villain that is bad just to be bad is a bad villain. Right. Like we don't we don't. Um, oftentimes the villain is the second most important character in the story right sometimes it's like the most important character and so if it's a character that is just evil for the sake of being evil then you're sort of like missing out on all of this nuance and like intrigue from this amazing character that you could have developed that like all of a sudden you're sort of missing and you're absolutely right that like it's really hard often for like sometimes there are ways for the hero if you're hearing their internal monologue to sort of relate to or sympathize with the villain like sometimes that can happen but i think it's often more powerful if you're hearing like one of the henchmen or something like that like you're kind of describing as as them being able to tell you why or so so that the reader can see why does the henchman sort of like relate to the relate to the villain right like the the hunger games example right like the capital doesn't think that they're evil they they are right you know they they had this rebellion of the districts and what they are trying to do is they're trying to suppress i mean like it sounds super evil to any like sane person listening to it mm. but like they're <laughs> trying to suppress the districts and remind them that hey they are the all-powerful they know what's right you know and you know a lot of the hero stories are you know overthrowing that type of thinking yeah so one of the other examples is in like jurassic park right like engine okay. like the the company that is manufacturing the jurassic or the 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 dinosaurs and building, they don't think that they're doing anything wrong. Right. Right. But I think of engine as being a villain of the story. So engine is, is operating in this like super unethical behavior where they're creating these like dinosaurs that are just like, you know, murder machines. Right. And, (laughs) but like they, you know, they're doing it for science, you know, they're, they're doing it for the research. They're doing it for the entertainment value, but Uh you know, they're unleashing death upon the world. Right. Right. And so, you know, sometimes villains could be misguided in that sense, or, you know, in the sense like of, Tony from The Sopranos, mm-hmm. he he thinks he's right because you know he's the Italian Americans are suppressed, right? Right. And you know this is his way of making it in the world. 
Right. And so from his eyes, he's not evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. from, you know, if you take a step back and look at it, it's like, yeah, you know, engine probably shouldn't be doing that. Like, right. 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 Tony maybe shouldn't have shot that guy. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, so, and I think that's like a, that's like a pillar of a, of a good villain, exactly what you said, that they, that they never think they're evil. And so if you're, if you're, if you're writing or if you're, if you're, if you're critiquing or, or trying to figure out if you like a book or something like that, then that's one actually, that's one way to measure it is like, would this person do this action or do this thing for, for a reason, right? Do they have some, something that's motivating them? Do they have something that's pushing them to do this? Maybe it's, maybe it's fear, right? It can be, there can be a lot of different motivations um, for why a villain will do that, but it's almost, it would it should never be for the sake of evil right just because they're baddies yeah not evil for the sake of evil yeah not evil for sake of uh, evil. They, they have a motivation right? yeah so uh kind of almost exactly like the heroes like the heroes have a motivation they have a drive they have to go out and do something yeah the the villains are the same thing they're just you know misguided or yeah or some of the stories that i think do it really well are stories that you don't necessarily know who the villain is mm-hmm. um and so this is one of the questions that i wanted to ask you okay is like can you think of any stories that are like where where the villain is not necessarily cut and dry? It it's not Joker versus Batman. Like you cannot draw that line. Oh, okay. And like I think those villains, I I have I have a couple examples, but I want I want to hear your thoughts. Sure. As soon as you ask that question, and this is maybe maybe kind of a funny correlation. It's I'm so bad at sticking to books sometimes in our books episode, but this is um, <laughs> this is a, a set of movies. But Pirates of the Caribbean that that's one that jumps yeah. right to the front of my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a um, cause you're like, well, okay, they are pirates, right? <laughs> like pirates are inherently doing bad things, but Jack Sparrow has, and I, th- I feel like we talked about this at some point. I don't know if it was on the podcast though. Jack Sparrow has this moment where he, he says, um, humans aren't cargo mate. Right. And it like, it yeah. defines him as a character. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's almost like a turning point of his game. It's just a short line that's almost set under his breath and can get lost. But then you're like, oh, like Jack has this like crazy, like backstory, um, with all, you know, there's all this. There's all these bad things involved that have like put him in the place where he's at and where he's having to do the things that he's having to do. And it's for a specific, it's like, he's not a hero, but he's maybe not a villain either, right? Maybe he's an anti-villain, um, similar to, to Tony from the Sopranos or, or, or Dexter or something like that, where, you know, you can't quite say that he's a good guy. I completely forgot about Dexter. You forgot about Dexter. Great yeah, example. Great. So if you haven't seen Dexter, that that's the main character is a serial killer who targets serial killers. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. That show is so good until the end. Yes. Yeah. Don't watch the last like couple of seasons. But yeah. but anyways, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean goes back and forth because there's like the lawmakers, which are shown as bad guys, and you're like, but they're upholding the law. Like that's a good thing. But then they do it in bad ways. And you're like, well, that's a bad thing, right? And then Barbosa, who's like the bad guy in the first movies, and then you're like, maybe he's kind of a good guy in like later movies, <laughs> you know? And and so just there's a lot of bouncing back and forth. I think, and yeah. it makes you as the as the the reader quote like the watcher or the viewer in that case kind of question like, okay, what is who is making the moral choices here like who's actually the good guy you know yeah the 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 example that i have that kind of mirrors that is game of thrones yeah like who absolutely. is the villain in game of thrones right and, and, and actually when, you, when we thought of like joffrey and ramsey that was hard because yeah. it was like who is the villain right and like like when you ask who is the villain in game of thrones you almost have to ask what what time like wh- yeah, <laughs> at what point are we because like we we talked about how you know george r. r martin is phenomenal at writing characters because you know he was able to take the jamie lannister who in like the first couple uh chapters of the book pushes a little kid out of a window mm-hmm. and then four books later you're like jamie's the greatest person in the world and you're just like wait hold on he yeah what happened yeah we uh my girlfriend and i are re-watching game of thrones right now oh, cool, so we yeah. just started the first season and you're watching it and you're like no jamie's the villain like and it's not even a question right it's he's absolutely a bad guy 
and he go- has to go through changes. Like it's, he's not one where you learn more about him and start to sympathize with him, right? Like he has to make some changes in order to get there. But it is a really hard question. I think I think Cersei probably is like yes. she could be considered a villain. I'll be, then there's also like just everything that's like north of the wall that's considered bad, <laughs> yeah. right? So like yeah. the Night King and like the White Walkers and that sort of thing that are like okay, there's some there's some badness here that's probably <laughs> it's know. it's evil. We think I don't actually know, but like it's evil, right? Right. Mine is going to be a spoiler, so we'll we'll throw a spoiler tag. But Ender's Game. Hey, we just spoiled Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow. That's a two for one. If you have read those books, you can hop over to the spoilers at the end of the episode at one hour, two minutes, and 13 seconds. Yeah, so we just cut that part out, and that's going to be at the end. That's going to be at the end. Uh, but, <laughs> like, I, I do want to talk about another uh, book that you don't really know who the villain is yeah. all the time, and that's The Reckoners, uh, the Sanderson oh, yeah, sure. Uh, series where kind of like all the bad guys have you know powers and all the good guys don't is right. kind of how it's set up mm-hmm. but like as as you kind of like progress through the book you realize that that's not actually like 100 percent the truth mm-hmm. and in order to like not sound super choppy <laughs> yeah uh let, let's leave it at that as kind of like a teaser yeah of like like i want you if you've read it reach out to us tell us who the villain of the reckoner series is mm-hmm. um because I, I i'm kind of interested in that because there's it changes, I think. I think yeah. throughout the throughout the three books, the villain morphs and changes. So yeah, I, I think that's kind yeah, of yeah. I think in the first book it's obvious, and then the later books it's books it's more cloudy. Yeah, which is which exactly is what makes that really cool. Um, um, so we've talked about a lot of characteristics of what makes a good villain, and I, and I like a lot of those. I like the motivation thing. I like uh, needing to have a have influence and following, being relatable, and all that. So, but one really th- I think interesting thing about the villain conversation is we typically don't if you compare it to heroes we typically don't have bad heroes right because if you have a bad hero you probably just don't have a story and then we like never hear about it or read right, about it yeah. right but we have bad villains like all the time it feels like yep so who in your mind who are some examples of bad villains like villains that just that just weren't done well so trying to unpack that question i'm trying to distinguish in my mind the villains that were not done well and versus the villains that i wish were done better or more fleshed out because mm, okay. some villains that I'm some villains like Galbatorix, Galbatorix, Galbatorix. I think this is good. This yeah, is good. this is good audio. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> from Here's, like the from like the inheritance cycle, it's not fleshed out very much. Mm. And I think that was almost intentional by Christopher Paolini. Is that right. like it, he's this thing, right? He's this like yeah. unbeatable character, right? He's like the king that's ruling over the I don't remember the continent that they're on in the inheritance cycle, or right. most people know it as just Aragon. Aragon, um, yeah. But I I. I don't know if he wasn't done well because I think one of the things that makes him so scary is that nobody we don't really know a lot about him. Yeah. And so I'm trying to distinguish that, but like I yeah. I, I think, wish that one was done better. Yeah. My my take on that, Christopher Paolini took a lot of influence from Tolkien, right? A ton of influence from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he really did. And I think he's his Sauron. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so he has like Sauron type characters, right? Where it's like, okay, this is the hero, the villain that you can like relate to and sort of interact with and can be more active in the story. Whereas his Galvatorix or like his Sauron character is just sort of the imminent threat. Like we know he's going to be the final boss. We just like don't know what's going to happen until he gets there. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I just think that's kind of where the character ended up. Yeah. And maybe he just like, he seemed like, you know, the other writer in the world. And it's just like, I kind of wish that right. that was a little bit more fleshed out. And yeah. so I don't know if it was a bad villain. I wish it was done maybe a little a bit differently. Yeah. Missed opportunity. Yeah. The, 
the other one that I didn't really like how it was done was the Lord Ruler uh, mm. from the Mistborn series. Really? Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. He just like we'll throw a spoiler tag. Hey, so that discussion just spoiled the first book of the Mistborn series, The Final Empire. If you have read those books and want to hear the spoilers, you can hop over to the end of the episode at 1 hour, 5 minutes, and 36 seconds. Cool. So, yeah, we're back from, yeah, so we're back from our spoiler. <laughs> back from the spoiler, yeah. Um, and if you have read the Mistborn series, I suggest checking that out because um, that was a really good answer. Um, one that, that immediately came to my mind is the, basically the House Slytherin. Yeah. As a villain, yeah. I think is very poorly done. I, I do too. Um, I think there was a lot of opportunity to have like nuance um, in like kids that are cunning, right? And and they get placed in Slytherin. Kids that are like wicked, um, which maybe doesn't mean evil, but can mean like cunning alongside like people can have a wicked sense of humor, right? And that's not necessarily bad. Like what if they were like, what would a Weasley twins look like in the Slytherin house? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. There, there's a ton of room for like exploration in that. And really all we got is Draco, who is actually kind of a cool character and makes for a decent villain on his own. But like no other like well fleshed out Slytherin characters, even in, even in the books, to be honest, like there's there's just not that many, um, and they kind of just become like the figurehead for like oh, all the bad kids going to Slytherin, and so like they're the bad guys, you know? Yeah, it feels very much like a children's book in that sense. Yeah, which probably was intentional in yeah. some sense, yeah. but I I do really agree with you that like, and we've talked about it before. We want the we want the prequel. Right. right, like if you if you look back on like the Aquamancy lessons, where or like when Harry goes into the pensive to see like Snape's thoughts, mm-hmm. like James is pretty evil, like when he's yeah. messing with Snape, right? Like right. you know he he's teasing him and all that, and like at that point Snape is in Slytherin, James is in Gryffindor, and right. so like that that's an interesting juxtaposition on the current state of affairs of like the Slytherins being the evil people, right. and so like I I agree, I think that I think that Slytherin could have been done better yeah could have been done better or like seen villains from like a ravenclaw Mm, or mm -hmm. a huffle no never mind yeah probably not hufflepuff (laughs) (laughs) but you could have had a villain within gryffindor certainly absolutely yeah Um, yeah oh yeah no that that's a really good answer i like that one yeah and i think like you're right that probably at the beginning it was just like a children's book it makes sense to have like an obviously bad guy that's fine um but voldemort was also an obviously bad guy that became an interesting character right he really did and the slytherins didn't like that was just kind of i think a failure on that part so the only other one, and let's throw a spoiler here for Game of Thrones. We're doing a lot of spoilers today. <laughs> so that discussion just spoiled Game of Thrones around book five, which is the Dance with Dragons, and that lines up with about season six of the TV show. So those spoilers can be found at one hour, eight minutes, 52 seconds. Okay, so we're back from the spoiler. <laughs> um, one, one last thing I wanted to mention for kind of examples of a bad villain. So I, I mentioned that I just finished... Uh, consider Phlebas. Um and so the the main character and I'll, and I'll do this spoiler free but the main character had this sort of quest that he was on right where he was trying to and he's sort of moving around the galaxy to like complete this um and I think because of that the author didn't have a ton of time to develop characters except for the characters that were kind of along the journey with him um who are good characters and yeah they, okay. they, they work but ended up in this situation where he like didn't know how to make a climax almost and so he wrote oh. in this sort of like villain character that kind of comes out of nowhere and it's just so that, like the heroes have something to fight at the end gotcha you know so it comes across as just like super forced and it's it's not bad for the sake of bad type of villain but it is very like monocolor and it's it's like very sort of narrow-minded and there's no relatability to it there's no like backstory to like why this character is doing this thing 
um, except for that, like, they're kind of on opposite sides of, like, this war that's going on, and, like, that's kind of the explanation for it. So it's just kind of like this... And it's like, I almost would have preferred that it was like a monster, you know, like a nameless monster, oh, okay, um, like yeah. a, like Valrog, right? Which like makes a good villain in that scene, even though it has like no backstory and no, um, because you're just like, man, that's like a big, scary fire monster with a whip. Like that's terrifying. I wish he had kind of gone that route, but instead he made, he like told the story from the villain's perspective and it was like done too quickly and like too forced. And so it ended up like for me, not really working. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but it still sounds like a really interesting book that I want to dive into just from like the world building aspect. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and, and because it's only like the last ten percent of the book, it's not like it ruins it for you. And the book still has a good finish; it still has a great ending. Like the final line of the book, like leaves you wanting the next book. Oh, cool! Thing. You yeah, know, like there's some there's a ton of great content and how it ends. It's just like that specific climax could have been done a little better. So, kind of on the other side of the coin for that, you you asked what villain wasn't done well. Mm-hmm. What who is your favorite villain? Okay. So like not not like the most relatable, uh, from like you know Steph's question earlier. But who is your who is the best villain that you can think of? I've already talked about Vader, so I'm gonna leave Vader off for now. I think Vader might, like I said before, he might make a run for it personally, just because I think he's awesome. So but, I, I go ahead. real quick because I just want to. I, I read a comment on Reddit or something that said that Anakin is my favorite hero and Vader is my favorite villain. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I thought that was really cool. And th- one of the things that I thought about on. We, we, we take like nighttime walks um, is that whoever or not whoever uh, George Lucas, when he when he came up with <laughs> whoever did Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, who was that? <laughs> George Lucas. I'm probably keeping that <laughs> George Lucas when he came up with Star Wars. Like, I think it is so well done to start with Luke's story. Start at episode four because Luke is a hero, right? Luke yeah. is the hero. We talked about that. And. Like, if you think about the ending of Anakin's arc, it is depressing as hell, right? <laughs> like, they just took over the galaxy. Anakin's wife died. Anakin's, like, you know, mm. turned into Vader. It is so dark. Order 66, they just killed the entire Jedi Order. He just yeah. murdered a bunch of little kids. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I think if they started at episode one, two, and three, mm-hmm. you're just like, I I don't know if people will come back for episode four. Yeah. And so, like... Like when when they wrote that and they went four five six and you see you know Vader's redemption arc kind of he throws palps down the well or whatever right um you know it you kind of know the end of the story and know it was like oh it kind of gets better yeah um, that's true and so that's it's true. like I think Star Wars was so successful because they started with the hero arc and then you know relatable characters in the prequel series mm. where the, the heroes and you know how the prequel ends, but it's like, if they had reversed that, I don't think it would have been as successful as it has been. Yeah, for sure. So. <laughs> okay. But who makes overall? Yeah. Who um, makes a, who makes a good villain? Uh, and I honestly, I think a lot of times I'm able to like come to a conclusion. And I think this one, I, I can't, I think there's going to be, have to be a couple that I mention, Um, and I don't, and so I'm going to fire off a couple and I don't know which order they're in, but off the top of my head, uh, Gollum slash Smeagol. Yeah. I think phenomenal, yep. right? Yep. Phenomenal yep. villain. Mm. Um, especially since it like it so strongly checks the box of being relatable. Yep. Um, and I think like heroes and villains like some they can pair sometimes, right? Where uh, and and he does that a couple times. Uh, uh, Tolkien does that a couple times, like uh, Saruman versus Gandalf, right? It's like they started at the same place and they ended up in two different places. Um, but that makes Saruman more relatable because you know like where he started, right? And he just kind of took a slightly different turn. And Smeagol slash Gollum is the same, right? Where it's like okay, he is going through the exact same thing that. Frodo is going through and so like he can show what could go wrong if the hero wasn't strong by kind of that juxtaposition yep so I think and 
I, I don't know if Frodo is necessarily strong, but he surrounded himself with strong people. Um, he surrounded himself yeah. with Sam. He surrounded himself with the Fellowship, who like propped him up. And I think you know we talked about how Sam is the real hero of the Lord of the Rings story, where yeah. Gollum didn't have a Sam. True, um, true. That Gollum is mine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Just like sorry for stealing. No, it. <laughs> no. That, that I mean, that's great. We're we're yeah. on the same wavelength here. But, but like, just for all the reasons that you mentioned, and also just like it, it's a very tragic story. Like Gollum, I it think, is, is a very yeah. tragic story because you like you can almost like parallel Gollum with like addiction. Um, oh yeah from yeah. like you know like people ruin their lives over shiny stuff like yeah as, as, that's, that's a metaphor a right but you know it, it's kind of sad because like you said it's relatable because that happens right yeah. and yeah. so even like the murder of his like friend oh that was sad it is so sad but it's like also understandable yeah you know, which is like what makes it so creepy because there's like a part of yourself that's like i could see like it's not excusable but it is explained you know or it is like understood yeah yep absolutely so you said you were gonna fire off a couple what what are are the other ones um the other ones that like kind of jumped to the uh to the front of my mind i really like i've been using the word wicked and i really like wicked villains and so the two that jumped uh to the top of that list for me um loki from like the marvel universe i love loki as a bad guy um and hades from the disney movie hercules yes yeah um i've heard hades from that movie described as like the genie from aladdin but the bad guy yep yeah (laughs) how he's like they're both blue they're both blue yeah first of all they're both blue um but he like he talks like really quickly and like sometimes it could be like hard to follow him you know but he's like saying these like clever kind of like funny things um, and Loki's like very much the same way where he's like, he's entertaining and he's like kind of like mocking as he like goes along. Right. But he has like these selfish goals and he's like moving towards them. And like, that's kind of like the main thing that they both lack is like, they're not inherently evil. They just kind of lack empathy. Right. They just like kind of only out for themselves. And that like, that's what makes them a bad guy. Um, but if they like were just a little bit empathetic, like maybe they wouldn't be so bad. And so there's like this little bit of like hope for redemption for him. That makes for a really good villain for me. That reminded me of probably one of the most like, cruel messed up villains of all time which is Corella Deville. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you think about it, she's evil. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like are you know. telling me that cruel devil is evil? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, no. Nah, yeah. She kills puppies. She kills puppies. She's a horrible person. Nobody liked that. <laughs> nobody no, yeah. <laughs> Turns out nobody liked that. <laughs> did you uh, did you have any others or do you want me to keep firing off? Keep firing off, yeah. Okay. We talk a ton about avatar the last airbender right that has some phenomenal characters on both characters on both sides of the story right um and so i love both zuko and azula as villains because i think azula starts out as being like super super evil and then you like learn more about her and again she becomes more like i understand how she ended up where she is right um yeah and kind of it's the same thing that you were talking about you know Gollum, frodo sauron and gandalf it's like the pairing like yeah Zuko and uh, Zuko and Azula, uh, you know, kind of, you know, their brother and sister. They came from the same spot. They just like had, they their paths diverged, and you can mm. see like how a villain can be made from the nurture side rather than the nature side. Yeah, uh, which which I think is a really interesting thing uh, that we may want to dive into in another podcast. Is, mm. <laughs> is yeah. that uh, yeah yeah oh, Avatar is so good. They just have such great character development, mm. and they they they. They did the thing where, you know, that you were talking about with the um, Harry Potter, where they, like, they had good guys in the bad guys, quote. They had good guys in the Fire Nation. Like, Uncle Iroh was oh, a yeah. good guy, yes, right? So, yeah. you know, you kind of see, like... Yeah, that's a good point. They're, like, the good <laughs> version of what Slytherin could have been. Yeah, exa- yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's just kind of funny. Azula's a great character. For sure. And she just, like, spirals into insanity. 
So unless you have anything else. I do not. This is when we open it up to let the listeners let us know where we went wrong or if yep. they agreed or, <laughs> you know, any other thoughts. But yeah, so reach out to us. We're on pretty much any social media. Just search for us, Fantasy and some flights. Should be able to find us. Uh, send us some icebreaker questions. Uh, so we're building up a queue. But we, we love to get the icebreaker questions, and these, these are a lot of fun, yeah, um, just, of fun. just to have those. Uh, answer them, so we'll, we'll post them. Or they're on Instagram, right? If you're an early listener, <laughs> if you're listening the day it comes out, <laughs> um, it, it, they're on Instagram. And if not, then it's, you know, it's on our highlights, our story highlights. So yep. uh, reach out to us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Yeah, um, I think there's some there's there's some hot takes in in this episode. Some, some I think so. Yeah, know, some villains that we maybe said were good, with maybe you don't agree with, or or the other way, like some villains that we kind of trashed on, which may have been some of your favorites. Um, so that's the other input that I think from this episode I'm really interested to hear is where do your opinions differ from ours? You know, where did we where did we go wrong? What villain did we kind of not do right by? You know, that you don't agree. Yeah, with? Yeah, absolutely. And if you have if we haven't mentioned a book because this is something that i'm kind of interested in now after going through this podcast is like mm. if we haven't mentioned a story or something in the last couple episodes of a well fleshed out amazing villain let us know because i want to read a story that has like yeah absolutely a brilliant villain villain yeah. maybe even like it'd be cool if it was told from their perspective like yeah. i think that would be a cool take on like a fantasy story yeah of like a villain that loses in the end but like it's a hero story told from the villain's perspective yeah. i think that'd be a cool read absolutely i'm sure that's out there yeah yeah <laughs> let Hope, us know <laughs> uh, let us know hopefully out of the um icebreaker question you know um of being like yeah of being the most relatable villain that uh, we'll get some recommendation of that out there to check out well this has been a lot of fun thanks uh for listening <laughs> yeah thanks for listening let us know your thoughts and cheers. Cheers. So we're getting into our spoiler section. We're going to separate these out. We're going to play a little bit of buffer music in between each spoiler as well as describe what spoiler we're going into just to make sure that no one gets caught uh, listening to something that they have not read. So first up, we uh, we talked about earlier in the episode and we're about to go into the spoilers for Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow. Who is the villain in Ender's Game? It's not the buggers. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the fleet. I think it's like the Star Starfleet Command. Mm. Um, because like they are manipulating these little children in order to fight a war for them. And as as you kind of learn throughout the book and you start like the buggers aren't necessarily out to kill humans. So the buggers thought humans were non sentient beings and they were just like progressing their way through the galaxy and they're just gonna wipe them out and go on. Right. Yeah, um, they thought they were killing like deer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it like the and then once the buggers realized that, they like withdrew. Right. Right. And so I think the 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 villain, which you don't really realize until the very end of Ender's game, is actually the people running the show. And mm. like I love twist endings. Like I oh, yeah. that's just one of the things that I really enjoy in yeah. like literature. And that one was huge because you did not understand that Ender was you know, you think that Ender's going through the simulation and he's right. actually like fighting the final battle. Yeah. And you see it a little against bit against his will. Against his will. And you see it a little bit more in Ender's Shadow from Bean's perspective, because Bean kind of understands like, oh, this is the final battle. Yeah. Because Ender has like this connection with the Queen, which is yeah. kind of 
weird and like they get into that in the next couple books on on that relationship but you know ender's kind of like you know he's making this statement he's like i'm gonna show them that i'm not fit to do this because yeah. i'm gonna just show no mercy and go for it which right. unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately for him didn't that's what really they work wanted. out and and being you mentioned bean like bean realizes that that exactly well before that battle he realizes it way back when they're in battle school because he's talk he talks about like this is not students versus students this is students versus the teachers right? yes and yeah. he talks about like they are the villains they're the bad and he's like basically calling that out for you the other villain in ender's game um that's super interesting to me is peter right his older yeah, brother peter yeah um because peter in ender's mind not only is he like a villain in that he like does bad things directly but he also in ender's mind represents everything bad about himself right so ender has this feeling of like oh like I need to get Peter out of me, right? Like I yep. all the violence and hatred and anger that comes from Peter, like I need to get rid of that. And so in this like it's not like a direct villain, but in this like struggle, maybe it's maybe Peter's more of like maybe an antagonist of like representing this struggle that Ender has to better himself and to become a better person, right? That like internal struggle that he's having. Peter kind of like represents that. And then it's really cool because like he sort of the face of that antagonism. And then when you like meet him and he becomes a character, you realize like he is still a bad guy. Um, he's maybe still a villain, but he's not as evil as you like thought. He's not the embodiment of evil, right? He is actually trying to influence the world positively. And the Bean arc like specifically explores that in later books of like how he probably has messed up methods, but he does want the best for humanity. And it's not actually inherently selfish, you know? Yeah. So Peter makes a really good exploration of like, is he a villain or not? Yeah, that's a great point. Our next spoiler section that we talked about earlier in the episode is the spoiler to Mistborn and the first book of the Mistborn cycle, The Final Empire. So if you have not read Mistborn, The Final Empire, I would suggest that you turn off the podcast now. Like, <laughs> hey, and spoilers. Here we yeah. go. So I, I don't know. It just like. It was really cool to see Kelsier kill the Lord Ruler at the end of the first book, uh-huh. but it seems so like anticlimactic almost. Yeah. Where it's just like the Lord Ruler is this like crazy person, and it just like I wish we saw a little bit more of that. Yeah, um, maybe a scene where like they clash, but like it doesn't yeah. end or something like that. So you can see so yeah, like, you, you almost, see like, that all the time in Star Wars, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. But it's it makes for a really good. Yeah, you see him kill Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, there's tension there. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. So like, yeah, I, I really wish that the Lord ruler was fleshed out a little bit more because mm-hmm. like, do you even like really hear him talk all that? No, much? you really don't. don't and like, do. I think you hear him talk through like his writings, quote unquote, like, yeah, like, sure. like Vin, like decrees reading, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Decrees. And then like Vin, I think reads his journal. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. So th- there is that, but it's like the Lord ruler felt different than Galbatore. Ugh. The- <laughs> <laughs> wow. The Lord ruler felt different than Galbatorix. Yeah. Galby. 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 Pals and Galby. Pals and Galby. I haven't found the name for the episode. Pals and Galby. In the sense that, like, for some reason, the mysticism behind Galby didn't, like, or, like, increased his increased his threat level. Yeah. It, I don't... It mm-hmm. seems like a very board game, video game term. Yeah, but, but I think it's I think it's legitimate. Like, you should feel threatened by a villain, right? Yeah. You should feel... You should respect their power. They should feel, like, menacing and powerful. Those are, like, words we typically use to describe them. So I think that's applicable. Yeah, and I don't ever... I didn't ever really feel that from 
the Lord Ruler. Yeah, it, it, he said he felt so removed. Yeah, and it, did, it like you know Galbi, Galbi has like this giant black dragon that's like yes. oh yeah he's menacing right right like and the dragons Lord, get powerful the older they get and he's the oldest dragon yeah so. exactly and but like with with Mistborn it's kind of like he just does the same thing that Vin does yeah so it's like right if, if, and I remember thinking that like it was a good fight it's it's a good final fight it's a good fight but it is a very I good also fight. thought it was going to be harder. You I know, thought harder yeah. for the characters. Yeah, I thought it was going to be harder. It's like the DM wrote up the fight. He thought it was going to be epic, and then it really wasn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think it needed, you know, maybe a fight because, like, mm. all like the threat came from the Inquisitors. Yes. Right. The threat yeah. didn't come from the main villain. Right. It felt like, mm-hmm. and I just wish that they had done, they had taken a little bit more from like the Star Wars and like seen those like mm. like actually shown the power that the Lord Ruler has. So right. when he does die at the end, it's like, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, because then it, you, that's a good point. Because like you want another reason you probably want the villain to be powerful is so that like it feels rewarding when the hero. Kills Absolutely, him. and it, it it felt like it felt like an epic moment. But then like when you take a step back and you're like, that felt kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. Like right. Yeah. But. In our last spoiler section for this episode, we spoil a Game of Thrones book four and book five which is about season six of the tv show if you're watching the tv show the books are feast for crows and a dance with dragons so if you have not gotten there i suggest that you turn off the podcast now spoiler here for game of thrones um since that's not one of our core three uh euron Greyjoy. i think he is a bad villain um and so euron is i i let me, I think he's a bad villain. I hope Martin does better with him in the books. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I would absolutely agree that he... So um, from the TV perspective side... From the TV perspective side, I would say he's awful. Yeah. From the, <laughs> yes. He, I mean, he's garbage villain. I mean, it's just like, what is this guy? Like, we're supposed to oh. like respect him, and we're he's supposed to be threatening, and he's just kind of like... I don't know. But the I think even so far in the books... Because he, he, he is a character in the fifth book, maybe the fourth book. I forget which one. Um, but they but do it, weird timeline stuff. It, yeah, it's books. weird timeline stuff. But it shows off the. It does have the scene where he takes over the Iron Islands, right? And he starts chasing off Theon. And, yep. Um, what's his sister's name? It starts uh, with a Y, I think. They they changed it, or they changed it in the series. It's. Uh, I, I don't think I remembered that. Yeah. So they they changed it in the series or in the TV series uh-huh. because it sounded so much like Euron. Uh, Yara. That's right, Yara. Yara, and <laughs> it's. It, on, when I just Googled it real quick, it's Asha, Yara, Greyjoy. So they changed it to Asha. That's right. I remember yeah. that now. I remember that now. Um, but anyways, it has the scene where he like sort of takes over the Iron Islands. But like so far, his character is, in the books has only been fleshed out as being like extremely cruel, right? His um, his ship is called like the Silence or something. And it's because he cuts off the tongues of all his like crewmen. Like that's all we know about him is that like he is cruelty embodied, which is sort of odd in the game of thrones like universe because there are cruel characters but they usually are like cruel plus like something else they're interesting yeah they're interesting and right now like euron isn't he's like just cruel yeah absolutely he's just like really mean and power hungry and selfish and that's all he's got so you're right in the future books martin may kind of flesh that out a little bit and he may be better the series just kind of took that and stuck with it and it ended up being awful yeah what i one of the things that i think everyone kind of realized is that once the TV series past the books, character development pretty much stopped. Yes. Um, and I, I I have to hold out hope because Martin is so well at developing characters yeah. that I True. think that I can see Euron being a very interesting character. Right now, True. we just don't see it. Yep. 
But and maybe this is just the optimist in me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, but if you I, only read the first book, then maybe Jamie's a really bad villain. Maybe he's a yeah, lazy villain, and exactly. then all of a sudden he's interesting. So yeah, yeah. we can hold out hope.